Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and on today's episode, we are talking about Wheel of Fortune and all the drama, and I'm pretty sure my guest and I seem to be the only two in the world who cares, and so we're going to talk about it. You know her, you love her. She's been on the show before. Maggie Frank Shoe is back. She was here for Breakfast Club. And when I started posting about Wheel of Fortune, we got into a really great convo and I was like, you gotta come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited too, because I feel like, again, I feel like you and I are the only two who care. <laughs> yeah, but there is, there are a lot, that's true, but it might, yeah, it's interesting. When we get into it, we can talk about who cares or why they care. Mm -hmm. With a lot of these things, you know, pop culture, with anything with pop culture, it's like, who cares? But it's also like the things that you're like learning from it in terms of like race mm -hmm. and gender, who gets what are always really, really fascinating. So yes. Yes. Besides the fact that I like the show and all that. You yeah. Know? And I don't know anybody over 35 who doesn't have memories of Wheel of Fortune Jeopardy. Like the Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune block is like a staple for anyone who's over the age of 35. It, it like it just is. I remember in California, in or my part of California, Northern California, when they tried to move Wheel of Fortune to 630 and Jeopardy at seven, people lost their shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so How dare you our schedule is this <laughs> yeah yeah it is like it's to like everywhere I've only lived in well I lived in North Carolina I don't remember um I'm sure I watched I feel like it was also on at 7 7 30 the only thing in San Diego um Wheel of Fortune comes on first which I feel like that's it's yes your mouth is dropping open yeah like that's that's, that's weird but that is uh, weird. Thought, yeah so Jeopardy's second interesting yeah huh okay well let's get into the drama so here's a recap of what's happened literally in the month of june essentially like uh, prior to this i feel like it was just like we're checking along so pat sajak who has been the host for 40 plus years announced he is going to retire he made this announcement on june 27th or no he made this announcement like june 15th ish somewhere around the middle of the month so then on june 27th it was announced that Ryan Seacrest would take over for Sajak when he retired at the end of his contract. And when I shared this announcement in my stories, I can safely say that everyone who responded to it responded to it negatively. Like, how dare they hire Ryan Seacrest? Which I'm also in that camp. <laughs> anyway, regardless, the point is, is that it has been reported that Pat Sajak, that Ryan Seacrest will be making over $20 million. Some are, um, some, I know some online magazines have it at 24 million. Some say 28 million. So it's like, okay, we can just safely assume this man will be making 20 over $20 million to be the host Off of wheel of fortune. I know. Wow. Right. So to give you a little context, the internet says Pat Sajak's current salary is 14 million. Meanwhile, Vanna White's contract is she makes three million and she hasn't had a raise in 18 years. Mm -hmm. 18 years. She's 18 gone. years. That is a yeah. full-on human who can vote now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was fascinating when I read about that. And I have like so much to say about that. It's like not only the gap, because like the thing about when you read about these salaries and Jeopardy too, like, so I was a contestant on Jeopardy last mm -hmm. year, which was another reason I wanted to talk about this because you get a good behind this, like, so the two shows, the sets are side by side and they film on alternate weeks. So Jeopardy was filming and we sat in the Wheel of Fortune audience as like, that's where we sat in our green room. So like oh. the set was dark, like, or actually they were building a new set because you mm -hmm. know how they change the background. Every right. Week. Yeah. Um, but we were sitting kind of in the audience seats. That's where we hung out. The other thing to know about these shows, both shows is like, so Wheel of Fortune requires only 48 days. Right. So that's how, so he'll like Seacrest or even like Pat Sajak making $14 million. He worked for 48 days. And like, it's the same with Jeopardy because they shoot one shoot day. They shoot a week. They work, mm -hmm. they shoot five episodes. So they shoot three in the morning they break for lunch and then they shoot two in the afternoon. So all the whole week's contestants are in the room, are in the green room. So that's actually kind of something interesting to know. Um, I was surprised how few people knew that. Um, I don't know why, I guess, anyway, I don't want to get too far into it. But yeah, so they work very little. So the fact that like, that's why Ryan Seacrest can have other jobs. Right. And the fact that this is going to be just one of his jobs and he's going to make that much money, that's mind boggling. Yes, especially considering what scripted TV is currently in the midst of fighting for. Like, it's bonkers. Um, but I was going to add to yours, my, my mom applied to be a Wheel of Fortune contestant in the late 90s. And because I don't know if they still go on tour, because for a while, you know, they'd go and travel to different cities. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. if they, I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident COVID shut that down. So I don't yeah. know if they've picked that back up. But she didn't get to be a contestant. So they threw us some tickets. They're like, oh, we'll be at the um, Palace of Fine Arts in San Francisco. Here's four tickets. Um, and that was, we sat through three tapings and it was so much fun. Every time they do the pano of the audience, my sister and I would do something so we could try and like find ourselves when they finally yeah. aired. <laughs> yeah, that's um, cool. But it was, we were there. It was like, you, you know how you said in morning, afternoon, it literally was all day. Like it wasn't just a, oh, quick 30 minute recording. We're done. It was, okay, now, and again, this is the nineties. So it was like, okay, now we have to change the things on the wheel. It was, I, cause I think the wheel's digital now. I don't know. The things weren't, things weren't digital in 1997. Well, no, I don't think so, they pick up those cards. Like, yeah. If they get oh, that's the, right. Yeah. Some of the stuff on there is like, a piece of cardboard that's on there. And it's funny, did you notice when you went, cause when, I don't know how they set up the set in San Francisco, but sitting there in the green room, the it's so small. Mm -hmm. Like the wheels actually kind of look small in real life. And also like the audience is on the side. Yeah. You kind of have the feeling when you're watching it that the audience is sort of like down, like I don't know how to explain, but like down kind of a lot. There's like a bunch of space and then the audience, but mm -hmm. the, also on Jeopardy, the audience is on the side. So it's actually a very small room that everybody's in, um, mm -hmm. which I found interesting. And they kind of make it look better, bigger with foreshortening. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's really it, the funny thing about being on Jeopardy. So I went to a Jeopardy taping in 1994 or five when I was 15. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess it was 1996. Um, and it being a contestant in 2022 with having, having had COVID go by and all that, so little has changed oh. <laughs> about what they do, the way they do things that five, that schedule, like 
so much is ex- like 1996 to now. Obviously, the sets have changed and stuff, right. but like their protocol, how they do things, is so similar to what it was, which really ha- got me thinking. It like the fact that like they would hire, like Sony would hire somebody and pay, even if it is Ryan Seacrest pay that much money mm-hmm. they must really these shows must re- this formula is so bankable and these two particular shows it's really interesting to me like the idea of like how much they like that was the other thing like the the crew of jeopardy is who you really work with right like mm. ken i met ken jennings yeah, you know, yeah. Right before we went on but like you work there's a lot of people behind the scenes and like those people are very like committed to this legacy mm-hmm, of the show. Mm-hmm. I just think that's so, it's just like an interesting thing because like everything in TV has fallen apart and been rebuilt like several times right? in the time that these shows have been on TV and Mm. have changed not at all. They are exactly the same. It's like, except of course, like the hosts now finally leaving or dying. But like, other than that, every single thing has been kept exactly the same and all this other stuff is on fire. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, I guess one, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And two, like, it's just one of those things that I think is such a comfort for people. When I talk about, when we talk, like, Wheel of Fortunes, if people are, oh, I watched that with my grandma when I was at my grandma's house. You knew you were at grandma's house because the Jeopardy Wheel of Fortune block was on. For me, it was just a staple in the house. My parents were, um, my parents, my mother, every single night between seven and eight, there was no argument about what was going to be on TV because mm. that was what was on TV. <laughs> literally, now, like, go ahead. I was going to say, you? it's literally how my son learned the alphabet, learned his letters, was from Wheel of Fortune. Mm, so so by the time he got to preschool, he was like, I'm done. I already know A through Z. Give me something hard. <laughs> well, my grandma, I watched it at my grandma's house and um, she died when I was six. So this mm. had to be, so she died in 1987. So this was in the mid 80s she didn't speak English and we watched mm. the fortune. I mean, she just liked, she loved game shows. I think yeah. that she could follow, she spoke a little bit of English and she could follow. Um, but like, yeah, it was, it was just a huge juggernaut in the eighties, especially like everybody watched, everybody who was watching TV at that time. Was yeah. Watching, you know what I mean? At that time of day. Yeah. But yeah, when you said like people 35 and older all have these memories, but it's actually like, because people 35 and older have these good memories they're like much younger people also grew up watching the show when right. they grow up watching the news or these other kind of daily tv things that went away mm-hmm. like there the jeopardy the week the day that i was on jeopardy there were three or four contestants who were in their 20s and they all had the same like nostalgia for jeopardy mm-hmm. and like real connect obviously they're on the show but like I'm not saying, I'm sure it's diminished a lot, but there's still like people who grew up like you and me who had kids who then watched it every night too. Mm -hmm. And so like that actually, that's another really weird aberration is like, no one watches the nightly news anymore. No one watches other game shows for them. I mean, there's the primetime ones, but like, or like other things that just no one sits down and except for Game of Thrones, there's always like one thing. Yeah. But like yeah. no one sits down and all watches a TV show live at the same time. Right. But actually a lot of people still do that with Jeopardy and Will of Fortune. And mm-hmm. the other thing I was gonna say, sorry for being a motor mouth, but one That's more okay, thing, I love it. <laughs> the um I was so surprised when my episode aired. It was two days after Christmas last year. And of course I told everyone 
I told a lot of people, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I sent an email, but I talked about it on social media and I told a lot of people in person and, um, it was like a bit, like when you do a baby announcement or something, I told a lot of people, but there was still, there were people who like dug up my LinkedIn or, or like had my number and texted me that I had not told, you know, from my past who like, were like, Oh my God, I can't, I saw you on Jeopardy. Like, like it was surprised me how many people do sit down and watch it. Like my, the vice principal at my son's school, like stopped me and was like, oh my God, was that you? And I can't believe it was you on Jeopardy, you know, like, or like, and like people that I hadn't thought to tell, yeah. it shows you that like people are still watching it because I thought like old people, a lot of people don't have, you know, a channel changing TV anymore. They just have right. well, and it's, of, it's yeah, next, so I mean, the benefit of ABC is they own Hulu. So it's mm. like, you can watch it the next day on Hulu. I That's watched true. your episode live. I was like- like we were, we had gotten home cause you know, holidays busy, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, it's seven, it's seven. It's like six fifty nine. We have to turn on the TV. I have to support Maggie. <laughs> it was so fun to be, but anyway, I don't want to make this about how I was on Jeopardy. I'm just saying yeah. what was interesting to me about that is that like a lot of people are still watching this show, these two shows mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, all this other stuff has disintegrated. And I think like, that's really, really interesting. And I don't know, I think yeah. if I were Sony, it's like they're all trying to act like they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but they don't know. They don't really know why this is working and they don't know yeah. last, you know? One of the things Maggie and I realized we should have discussed once the recording was over is the diversity in contestants. Wheel of Fortune's contestant base is far more diverse than Jeopardy. And Maggie pointed out that there is a level of elitism in the assessments to get on the show. If one has access to resources like AP classes, SAT test prep, high-performing schools, Ivy League university educations, et cetera, one has a better chance of passing the Jeopardy assessment. I want to thank Maggie again for coming on the show and being our guest today. It's always fun talking with her. She has such a great mind. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is produced and edited by me, your host, and we are an independently produced podcast, which means we are affiliated with no one but me. I want to also note the WGA and SAG-AFTRA are both currently striking as a result of a failed contract negotiations with the AMPTP, and there are a few ways you can support the current striking members. There are several funds you can donate to. One is the Entertainment Community Fund. Another is the Green Envelope Grocery Aid. There are few content creators that have been really informative about the details of why the strike is happening and what it all means. And I will link those videos in the show notes, follow those creators, support their work. We are still on a summer hiatus. So if you heard the full version, that means you are a Jelly Pops patron. And that means you help keep this show alive. So thank you so much for that. I also want to thank all of our Patreon Jelly Pops for their continued to support. There are so many ways you could be spending $15 a month and you choose to do so by supporting my work. And considering I currently am very underemployed, I cannot thank you enough for this. I'm underemployed because my corporate America job uh, decided to downsize. Even if you're not a Patreon member, I am still so thankful for you. There are so many shows you could choose to listen to, and yet you continue to keep us in your rotation. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. 
this is a fun place to be, I think anyway. I was thinking recently about how much I've grown and changed since pop culture makes me jealous. I believe we started in 2021. And I hope if you've been here from the beginning, you've experienced some growth too. Before we officially close out, I wanted to let you know that the August Jelly Pops book club pick is a single man. Our meeting date is still TBD. If you want to learn more about how you can support this show, head on over to patreon.com slash Julia Washington. For just $5 a month, you can join our studio audience and get access to bonus episodes, our back catalog of bonus content, and access to our happy hour. For $15 a month, you can become our Jelly Pops besties and get access to literally everything. Happy hour, book club, bonus content, and so much more. And if you're not ready to join, that's fine too. You know, commitment is hard. <laughs> if you love one of our episodes, share it with a friend or post about it on social media. Another way you can support is by rating and reviewing the show. These low stakes support go a lot farther than you may think. Is it getting to be a lot how I end every show basically begging you to join Patreon or sharing our content? Um, if it is, well, I'm only half sorry. The world is a dumpster fire and searching for full-time work has turned into a weird dating type game that's getting to me. So now I stand before you begging for the same level of support you give to uh, Amazon or other billionaires that exist in the world. <laughs> Not that I want to be a billionaire. I just want to be able to pay my light bill. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.